it's a difficult one. We were talking about that one today, and it's it's very easy to throw it out. And I think as much as we talk a lot about the transference and how we can actually you know, take what we do in the gym and take what we do in our training to to performance, it's really about you know, having a look at our program and integrating the different parts of our program together. You know, I think it's very easy for us to be looking at strength. You know, looking at conditioning, looking at speed in a very siloed manner. So. I like to think one of the strengths of our programs is the, the ability for the athlete and the, and the coaches to see how what we do in the gym actually relates directly to what we do on the field. So as, as much as, you know, we, we talk about that transference and how we can use our, our gym side, it, it really is, you know, probably a better way of putting it is it, that integration. Having said that, you know, like we, we, we really try and um, set our athletes up in a manner that they can actually to look at some problem solving. Hello and welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Make sure if you haven't already to subscribe to my YouTube channel to receive a notification and never miss a live interview. I hope you enjoyed this interview and please share with a friend or a teammate that you think will value this episode. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. My name is Jack McLean. I'm the host and today my guest is Jeremy Hitmans and Blake Duncan. Jeremy is the high performance manager of the Dolphins as well and Blake Duncan is his head strength and power coach. Today's our key topic is strategies for athletic excellence and how to transfer onto on-field performance. So welcome, fellas. Thanks for for jumping on. Really looking forward to our chat. It's a pleasure, Doc. Thanks for having us. Thank you. For, I guess, Jez, we might kick off with yourself, mate. For those that aren't aware of your work, do you mind providing a background on your passion for the industry and where you've worked o- over the years? Yeah, no stress. It's been a, it's been a fair little journey. I, I sort of started... Uh, showing my age a little bit started back in the mid-90s uh, you know, playing and then sort of coming to that rehab side in the UK working yeah you know, I remember first starting work back in, in Durham Uni when EIS was sort of first kicking off and really getting that transfer from like being I was a tennis coach at the time being a tennis coach coming into more into the strength and conditioning and sports science side I had yeah, really really enjoying that transfer and actually getting you know that sort of long-term development with the athletes, and then when I came over here, early early two thousands, had a couple of years at uh, QIS. It was a bit of a bit of an eye opener working with a variety of sports, with beach volleyball, developmental soccer, train the coaches, and then I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to go to the Broncos back in two thousand and five. So essentially, from there, I've been sitting in in rugby league. I've been to the Broncos, down to St George, back up to Newcastle, back to the Broncos again. Unfortunately, managed to get sacked from the Broncos at the end of 2018 and had a few years out. So, into spent a bit of time in swimming, had a little taste of AFL with the Lions girls up here. Um, did a bit of work with the PNG Hunters, a uh, little bit of netball for my sins, and um, then back back to Canberra last year and back up to the Dolphins with the with the new franchise. So, it's been good to get back into the footy environments. It's certainly a different environment, but it's, uh, it was it was a great little block away um, just to get a bit of a refresher and. Have, a, have a, an experience of different athletes again. Yeah, that's a, a huge range of both field and, and team sports. So, yeah, that fit, fit makes uh, quite good fitting in terms of that transference effect, I guess, for, for those listening in that might not just be rugby and footballs, but anyone looking to transfer their performance, their stuff they're doing in the gym and on the field. And, and Blake, do you mind sort of providing yeah. as well for those that are where you work, I guess, your passion for the industry and, and uh, yeah, your work experience over the years? Yeah, so mine's definitely not anywhere near as extensive as Jez's. Well, I always grew up playing rugby league as a kid and when I figured out that I wasn't going to be good enough to be able to make it at a pro level, which is probably about a 12 or 13, although I probably should have been about 9 or 10 years old, I always liked the training side of things and so once I was going through school and started with PE at school and a, a little sports science sort of major at school into sport and exercise science at uni and then went from there. 
with part of my uni prac hours, I got to to do my internship at the Broncos, which is where I met Jeremy. And then, <coughs> pardon me, I then rolled into a couple of different roles from there. So I was at the Broncos for about six years in various roles from assistant SNC into a bit of rehab. Same deal. I did a six months away from footy for a little while before I went down to Canberra with Jez last year and then back up to Queensland with the Dolphins for this year. So all of my pro stuff's been with rugby league. So definitely comfortable in that space, given that that's been my background as a as a kid and, and where I was interested um, from a young age as well. Appreciate it, mate. And I guess if we kick off the key topic, uh, I think Jez, you came up with it. What does sort of transference-centric approach mean to you, mate? Yeah, it's a difficult one. We were talking about that one today and it's, it's very easy to throw it out. So I think as much as we talk a lot about the transference and how we can actually you know, take what we do in the gym and take what we do in our training to, to performance, it's really about you know, having a look at our program and integrating the different parts of our program together. You know, I think it's very easy for us to be looking at strength, you know, looking at conditioning, looking at speed in a very siloed manner. So I like to think one of the strengths of our programs is the, the ability for the athlete and the, and the coaches to see how what we do in the gym actually relates directly to what we do on the field. So as, as much as, you know, we, we talk about that transference and how we can use our, our gym side, it, it really is, you know, probably a better way of putting it is it, that integration. Having said that, you know, like we, we, we really try and um, set our athletes up in a manner that they can actually to look at some problem solving. We, uh, we, we talk, it, it always sounds a little bit wanky if I can say that, but it's, uh, you, we talk about you know, that journey of, of like guided discovery. You know, we, we, we allow them to fail we really challenge them in different way, in different ways. So try and getting, trying to get away from that traditional approach of strength training or, or conditioning training, and really allow them to find the best ways to solve the problems. You know, I always say one of the best things I've learned from from working with Wayne Bennett for a long time, and it probably wouldn't surprise anyone is when to shut up. You know, as a coach, it's very easy to give those answers and to uh, you know try and talk all the time. But one of one of you know the key things is to you know just sit back, set up the environment, and let them find those those ways to to solve it. You know, after all, they're, they're the athletes. As much as I like to think we we've got a bit of an idea of what we're talking about, you know, we haven't always got all the answers. So you know, letting them find it, letting them work out how to transfer those skills that we give them into the actual performance um, arena um, is really key for us. Adding on to that bit, I suppose for me as well is the like like what Jezza said is the importance of challenging the player and letting them find it out. So. We obviously try and help them to be the best that they can be, but we work backwards from coming up with our problem or what we want to try and change and then work backwards from there to be able to to come up with different ways of attacking it. And so in, in our current setting in rugby league, obviously you still need to be strong. Um, you still got to do some of your traditional movements to be able to get those qualities. But that doesn't mean that that's like just the, the pillar of our field or, or strength programs and the ability to be able to use that strength in different movements and different planes to be able to transfer into activities for your sport is obviously a massive part of optimizing that performance. And so looking at how that can happen the best way between our integration is is pretty important for us. Philosophy that you guys touched on in terms of the athletes really driving that learning process and almost yeah, working it out from themselves with your guidance is when you're talking about transference is that obviously there's some physical qualities that's, that's happening there, um, but is it also the ability for them to go through that process and learn uh, and find a way is, is also something that you think uh, helps with on-field performance in terms of their, from a mindset point of view? Well, 100%, I think, you know, like anyone learning, you know, if you, if you find a way to do it and you you, you, are, you understand why you're doing it, I think you're going to get better results in the end. You know, there's, there's periods where you can get frustrated when you, you know, you want to jump in and tell them the answer or you want to, you know, come to do it this way. But, you know, sometimes, like I say, you've got to shut up and let them, let them fail, you know, and by failing, actually learn ways forward, you know. 
anyone who's got kids out there, it's probably a very similar way of looking at things. You know, like it's, it is it is that discovery, and it, like I say, it's, it tends to be more ingrained if you actually felt the way and you, and you felt the success of the way you've done it. As I say, you've got to go through a little bit of pain to get there in the end. And and as long as it's safe, you know, that's probably another thing we you, we always have that debate about. You know, like a lot of the I think, in my opinion, a lot of the stuff we do in the gym is dictated by being, you know, quite structured, quite controlled, quite safe. So we're trying to take out of that environment and make it a little bit more of an open, an open environment. Doesn't mean we throw hundred kilo barbells on our back and you know go jumping around the gym all the time, but we can really, we can really test them, as Blake said, through you know different planes of motion in different ways with different skill aspects within the gym environment that we like to think transfers into their their learning and their ability to be coached. You mentioned something about bringing the coaches on board in that journey as well like what are some effective ways that you found is it showing them actual some live sessions and getting the coaches on the gym floor or is it more just taking them talking them through perhaps over a beer or coffee about your philosophy like talk us through about that process and getting the coaches on board yeah it's, it's interesting on that and you know like i i think a, you know, a lot of people have that perception of of wayne and what, what he's like in, in the in the press conferences that kind of thing and i, and I always say you know one working working with Wayne Bennett, one of the best things he does is let you get on with your job. You know, he trusts you to be the the so-called expert in the job, but he'll also wander up behind you when you're doing something. And uh, and I won't use quite the language he uses, but it's you know, is what the hell are you doing there? And you know, you've got to be able to justify that to him. And and to his credit, he's he's someone who likes to be challenged as well. You know, he's obviously seen along you know about seventy years worth of athletic development. I think Wade's seen, and you know, for someone like that to be challenged and open to new ideas, it is it, pretty cool. And you know, having you know, just we talked about doing as other sports, having worked with other sports, I've been really lucky that the coaches have seen uh, something that's a little bit, little bit more exciting, I suppose. Uh, you know, rather than just that traditional and and being really open to it. But the best coaches will question it, but the best coaches will be open to whether we've got an answer to it as well. And and we want to be challenged. You know, you know, as I say, there's plenty of times he's wandered up by me and said, "What are you doing?" And I haven't had an answer, and so it makes you think, "Well, am I doing the right thing as well?" And from my point of view, having having the staff working there, I'll, I'll do the same thing. I'm, you know, whenever they write a program, it's you know, what's that for? Where's that leading? So being able to challenge that and have a, some kind of a philosophy or real content behind what you're doing is is absolutely key. Again, and what inspired? I guess the, like you mentioned the traditional approach, and, and obviously that's still part embedded in the program. But what inspired the, I guess, more of a unique approach or modern day approach, whatever we want to call it, where you focus on that transference and different planes of motion and you know, integrating that into the program was that due to some issues and, and searching for some answers around perhaps some injuries or was it more performance and trying to look for areas to yeah, help the athletes reach better performance, feedback from athletes, yeah, to talk us through the thinking behind it all. I think there's a couple of uh, little factors in there, but from my standpoint, obviously having not been around um, anywhere near as long as Jez or been as experienced <laughs> as Jez, like it, it doesn't seem as much of a shift for me, like as if I, I used to do traditional training and then now train this way. Like it's probably comes from like a, I've got a, a half half a rehab background. So I worked for a three years at the Broncos as the rehab SNC and did the same role down at Canberra as well. And a, such a big part of that rehab space is problem solving and and trying to obviously figure out how to fix an issue or or return a player back to the same level of performance that they were at uh, prior to being injured. And so in that rehab space, you spend a lot of time together and you figure out sort of individual aspects that need work and that's either in the gym or on the field. And like I said, I think a big part of that is sort of using a bit of creativity and trying to get to that same common goal without necessarily having to separate your gym and your, your strength sessions completely and being able to have that tie over across the pair of it sort of 
I, I think that's had a, a really big bang for bucket improvement for being able to to get those rehab players to a level that we need them to be able to get to in order to get back in and perform properly again. So I think, yeah, being a Jezza touched on before as well, like, yeah, when I worked with him before, it's, uh, I've been lucky enough that he trusts me to be able to, to do my job well. So it means I don't have to be afraid to try something a little bit different and, and can have a crack at something so long as I can justify why I'm doing it or or there's a, um, a clear goal or an outcome there, um, then we can have a crack at anything pretty much and see how it goes after that. Right, I've taught him all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, are you go, Jess? Yeah, so I was going to say, like, I, I, we, had, we always used to have interesting conversations, particularly with the Broncos. I think we had a very good group of staff there that would challenge each other. And uh, I, think, I think for 45 or six years before I moved out of the league, we, we had this conversation at the start of every preseason about why is the, why is the squat the basis of our program? Why is the bench press? You know, can we get away from this? And really, I was always too scared to fully get away from it, you know, because it's that real traditional, like, you've got to be able to squat two times, two and a half times your body weight. You've got to be able to deadlift this. You've got to be able to bench. And, and it was always sort of in my head about why, you know, is that the be-all and end-all? But, you know, as I say, it was fear, fear almost. So that's what we've been brought up with, you know, fear of, like, let's change something. And if you get it wrong, you know, what are the con- consequences there? And so when, when I came out of the league, and particularly going into swimming, you know, obviously a hugely different end of the spectrum when it comes to the, the culture and the environment and, you, and what you need to get out of it. You don't need to build build those, you know, bigger muscles and uh, you, you already don't want to. So I was very lucky going into the swim program uh, with Dean Boxall and people will know him from his celebrations at the Olympics. But he's, you know, he's a little bit of a lateral thinker as well. So when I when I went into his program with a few of the swimmers there, he was very much like, I want you to, you know, I want you to challenge this, I want you to change it because I'm coming from outside this way. I didn't have a clue about swimming, really. So I had to just go in and actually ask those questions. But one of the things that really struck me is that, you know, that I was going into a swim program whose who's underlying movements were how much you can chin, how much you can squat. And I was like, well, does that really, is that really relevant to, a, you know, very much a skill-based or a energy system-based sport like swimming? So we took that program and just, I always said at the start, we're either going to, either going to make you successful or ruin you. I'm not sure. We'll see which one it is. But those athletes, they really bought into it. They hated gym when I first went in there. And by the end of it, you know, we were challenging. We are giving it so many different things to do that was outside the realm of just coming and lift weights. Yeah, they really bought into it. You know, we talk a lot about athlete buy and they, they really saw the relevance of it to their sports. And the one thing I, you know, I always say I was very successful in that one. I remember Dean came to me as the coach and he probably well, a year, year and a half into the program and his comment was that he can actually, he feels like his athletes are responding to his coaching better. So their, their ability to coordinate, their ability to respond to coaching cues was improved. And he put that down to all the stuff we were doing in the gym. So that was a really, you know, real successful moment to me where we hadn't lost any strength, all the basic strength testing. We hadn't, we started to use that strength better in the pool and they started to move better in the pool. That's a very different sport from, from footy, but it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, well, there might be, there might be something to this. And so then coming back into footy and I, and I you know, had to, we had to work with the, the AFL girls and, and we did the same kind of thing for those girls that had a bit more of a lifting background we transferred it let's take it away and let's let's use this and and you know they had a successful year that year i don't know if i can claim all that quite to be honest but i'd love to and and it it was just like it sort of was a bit of a you know a bit of a light bulb moment to me that okay well we can do this we need we need to keep our stream of strengthening or traditional strengthening but let's just do a few different things let's let's really change it let's let's challenge let's let's talk about transference a little bit more and uh, i've touched wood every time i say it that seems to have been fairly successful in the way we can actually get our athletes to, to respond and develop. What type of things have, have, I guess, come out of the program to add in more of this transfer type coordinative movement patterns, do you think, over yeah. the years? I change every week as to what we should do better. I still haven't quite settled on the, the, the big thing. 
Well, one of the, one of the one of the keys for me is rotation. I think you know we talk a lot about squatting being basis of athletic movement, but I'm, you know I'm going around that squatting and the rotation at the moment. I think so much of athletic movement is based around controlling rotation or producing rotation, and whether that be coming from a squat type movement or you know from your hips, from your trunk core, whatever we want to call it. That is something we do a lot of, and that ability to control your body in a rotational aspect in so many different ways is something that we actually do a, we do a lot of in the gym. And it's amazing how that starts to transfer into the ability to control your body in uh, more randomised type movements in skills on the field in games as well. So that's something we use a, we use a lot of now. And I guess like one of the aspects of traditional training where it's hard to change like and and take out of the program is because it's quite easy to measure. I guess which is something that we love to do. You know, the weight that's lifted on the bar or, or the speed that the the weight's moving. Where these coordinated more complex movement patterns, it is quite hard to measure. You know, what is strength? I guess for a swimmer compared to what is strength for a rugby athlete and, and an Australian rules footballer. But is a lot of it guided by coaches' input? So, like you mentioned, I feel like they're picking up information better. Their you know their skill has got better up in the pool, or they're kicking the kicking the ball better. They're passing the ball better. So that's one area that we can measure from, which is subjective but pretty important when it's the head coach as well as the athletes, the experienced athletes giving you that feedback? Is that one area that you use to measure it or are there some objective things that we can add to it as oh, well? I think it's the biggest flaw in everything we talk about here is that we can't measure it very well. And, you know, I go back to, I, I don't know if it's a good argument or not on this one, but so much of what we do as strength and conditioning coaches is based around what we can measure. So we, we almost write our programs based on something we can quantify rather than using our coach's eye quite as much. And as you say, yeah, getting getting feedback from athletes and feedback from coaches as to how they feel about it, how they feel that relates to their movement and how they feel that affects their performance is probably our best feedback mechanism at the moment or quantification mechanism at the moment. But I'll very readily admit it's ridiculously hard to measure. You know, I can't say you've gone from squatting 100 kilos to squatting 150 kilos. We know self-reported results, I suppose, will get better. There's always a flaw there, and you know that that's that's one of the biggest parts. I can't go to the board after a years and say, "Oh, we've improved their strength by twenty percent," because I can't measure it. So I've got no good answer to that one, I'm afraid. But I feel like it's a lot better. The, yeah. From, from my end, with that, so in our program this year, we still always have that traditional element with a, a back squat and a bench press and a bench press. So for our our rugby league athletes, that strength and that size is still an important factor to being able to to get through that week to week grind of the NRL. So being able to have those basic elements of foundational strength, that they always stayed in our program throughout the whole year. So we always had that ability to be able to track how they were traveling traditionally in that in that linear and, and sort of yeah, that squat bench, bench pull kind of uh, movements. And it's the the accessory work that happens around that where we address our coordination and rotation and uh, speed of movement or all the other kind of aspects that we're trying to address. Um, that's where that gets picked up. So Sort of like, yeah, you know, I nearly contradict myself a little bit, but it was very consistent throughout the year, even though the accessory uh, movements themselves might change quite a bit. The the pattern of our program was still really, really consistent throughout the whole year. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, and for uh, coaches listening in, strength and conditioning coaches, high performance staff, and they're in that process now where they're perhaps reflecting on what they could implement in the program for, for next year in that off season sort of mode. Um, what are some of the key learnings do you think to be aware of when you're implementing this? Like, is, is it perhaps maybe some cognitive things? Like, if, if the athletes have come from a long meeting, it's early in the week, they're still fatigued from the game. Is some of this stuff quite challenging, to, you know, for the athletes to concentrate? Is it more to do 
later in the week or, or, or does that not really matter? You talk us through, I guess, your thought process in how you plan and, and implement this type of training for, I guess, when it's new to the environment. Huh. I think it's it's a progression into this training. You know, we, we still can't we still can't ignore that traditional strength development from a, both a metabolic and a mechanical perspective as well. You know, so we still do need to build connective tissue. We still need to build strength. We need to build joint strength and so on. There should be a stream of this linked in all the way through. You know, I think we've, we've, we've tried it both pretty quickly after a game and we find there is a, and again, I can't quantify this, so this is a little bit anecdotally, but there's a real neural a neural excitation, for want of a better phrase, you know, that actually helps our athletes recover it is without that real uh, like neuromuscular fatigue coming in as well. And the way we set up these programs is to make it short and sharp and, and you know, pretty, pretty dynamic altogether. So getting that athlete buying even when they're a little bit sore because they're not lifting big weights is actually pretty pretty easy. So, you know, yeah, I mean, and you'll know coming from AFL, you know, a lot, a lot of the athletes two or three days after the game, you, know, you ask them to squat heavy, they're, they're still in a significantly fatigued position. So you see a lot of the time, you know, people talk to us about strength dropping off through season and in, through the season and we haven't really found that. You know, strength doesn't really drop off because we can maintain it in different ways. And then we'll address probably in pre-season towards the end of the week. So when even when they're a little bit fatigued, we find we get some really good results um, from them coming into like a, a speed and movement type session. And then in season, we, we just have that stream you know, weaves in through our traditional strength training all the way through the year. And, and as I say, like the, I think Blake made a couple of com- uh, couple of notes on here before the session about the intent and purpose that we get out of the athletes with it as well. And you can get that real real, real grind, oh, I've got to squat again, I've got to lift heavy again, as opposed to, right, we're going to move fast, we're going to really challenge you and balance. And if you get it wrong, you're going to half fall over. But that's okay. You know, so it becomes a little bit of fun and a little bit of you know entertainment for us all along the way. And, and it create that really good environment within the weight room as well that, you know, you can either take it one way, you can you can take it as a fail or you can take it as a challenge. And, you know, allowing them to fail and say, right, you know, screw you, I'm going to do this now, is actually, you know, creates that, that real good approach to training as well. Yeah, I think we've been able to spend time developing it throughout the preseason. We actually got one whole session each week this year where we got to just dedicate it to those sort of coordinative type movements. And that, that gave us a real ability to be able to, sort of from my standpoint, justified why we're doing it and why it had a place in our program. And we could communicate that with the players before each session. So these are the movements that we're doing. When we're doing that, we need to have that intent. We need to have that purpose with our movement. Um, If you're not really ready to attack them, then it's a a bit of a waste of time. Like we're not necessarily maximizing what we're doing a lot of them for. And our our guys, we we had a great group this year. They were really, really willing to to sort of attack everything and, and have a really good crack at anything that we threw at them. And so, because we got those good quality sessions in during the preseason, uh, we're able to keep some of those movements in throughout our our uh, regular season program. That it was just um, part of what we do, really. I, I think so. Like one of the things with this whole you know, transfer centric, whatever we want to call it, is that it never comes out. You know, so we don't differentiate between traditional and transfer. You know, it's all part of one program, and it's all part of that continuum and you know, and streaming system that we bring in for, through this season. We might prioritize something a little bit more or over another within sessions or within past the season, but there's always a stream in there. You know, it's like it's like keeping a hamstring hamstring strength stream in there all the time. You know, we all know if we do Nordics and then don't do it for four weeks, they're going to get sore. So if we take you know take anything out anything out completely, we're going to potentially lose some of those skills. So it's always weaved into our program. You know, within within the individualization within our program. Now, some of our older athletes will do a lot more of this kind of work. Yeah, a long training history. They're they're pretty strong, but they also don't necessarily respond to heavy strength work in the same way some of our younger athletes do. So to challenge these guys and get the best out of them in the gym, there's lots of different ways to do it. 
Yes, that's interesting. Yes, I actually had the opposite effect where it almost primed him from a neural point of view where they it got him prepared him to run fast for the field session. So this is stuff that they're doing before training. Yeah, they could do it early in the week to help prepare him for the upcoming main session. So there's really no area where you, you can't sort of put it into your week. Is it something that you can do quite frequently as well over off-season, over your three main training sessions? In, uh, sorry, pre-season? Do a bit of it each day. And is there themes that you, you guys had in terms of areas you focused on? Yeah, we certainly did. As Blake said, we had we had one session towards the end of the week that was uh, was absolutely working on around our movement. We still had a little bit of like Olympic lifting in there as well, so which sort of links in quite nicely with that speed of movement. But then we had, you know, our, our earlier week might have been a bit more of a grind where we do, we know we do need to get that traditional strength, but it's also within that there's going to be some aspects of transferring that strength into a movement or into a challenging more challenging type movement. It's definitely, you know, if we get it right, because we do make it hard. It's still hard work. You know, they might not lift more than 15, 20 kilos in a session, but it's bloody hard work moving that fast and in different planes, as um, anyone who's tried it knows. So we've got to we've got to be a bit careful at the start of the year. Then if people aren't aren't used to it, you can get pretty sore from it. You know, particularly around sort of your, your calf work. If you're looking at contact speeds off the ground, you know, with a little bit of weight, you can get pretty sore. And we certainly find a, you know, a couple of athletes like you probably you, you see them the next day and oh shit, like I've you know, I didn't lift anything, but I'm I'm feeling that. And there is also that if you go hard at them like we do in preseason, there is also that you know that real neuromuscular fatigue that comes in. You know, I said I said we use it in season as like a neural exc- you know excitation, a neural priming, but that's a lot a lot less demanding and a lot less fatiguing. Whereas in preseason, I say we we work them pretty hard with it. So, yeah, footy players and, and most vast vast majority of athletes need to feel like they're working hard. And so one of the, one of the challenges to this is you know trying to get yeah you know you know. Rugby league players alike, if you're not sticking 150 kilos on their back, they feel like they're they're going far fast. You know, so asking them to do an exercise with a 10 kilo plate, you know, they sort of look at you initially and like, are you serious? But, you know, once they've done it, oh, okay, okay, this, that's pretty hard. And, you know, trying to get them across the line and realizing, you know, that they, they, they do, they realize that this is this is hard work and they're going to benefit from it. With, with that benefit as well, there's so many of the movements that you can either double up what you're doing in, in some of your field sessions or uh, progress or redress from what you're doing in there as well. So in our speed and agility sessions, uh, there'll be movements and positions that the players get into on the field and we can address them again in the gym through some of our exercises and movements. So then they get to see that direct transfer and that that tie over between our strength and our field sessions. And, and I suppose uh, when they see the relevance of that and how it, it can then they can feel it both in the gym in a bit more closed um, setting and then also feel it when they're out in the field and they're responding to a defender or attack or whatever it might be. It's just that constant uh, reinforcement of the, the same sort of positions that we're trying to put them in. And like I said, when that when they can feel that happening on the field and that and then they can either come back and, and slow it down and bring it into the gym or the other way around, they fail to do it in the gym and then they get a chance to be able to do it on the field in that open setting, it really helps to to keep going with that player buying that we the, you mentioned before as well. Oh, very good. And the, I guess, flow of the session, like if for someone to be a fly on the wall at a dolphin sort of weight session, how does it sort of look? Have you got you know, your, your backs and forwards in one, and then like have you broken up into the, a third of the squad coming through? And what is the sort of coach to athlete ratio? What's the sort of sweet spot when doing these more coordinated base training where it sounds like you're giving them, there's a fair amount of individual aspects to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> in preseason, typically we lift in a forwards and a backs group. There, there might be another rehab group as well, and then can also be like a, a younger group or an older. Group. So, typically we'll have at least three groups, which means uh, we might have somewhere between 
12 or 18 players for, for a lot of the time or then you can sometimes um, blow them out to about 20 odd players as well which is obviously a big challenge our facility is not a massive one so that, that means we've definitely got to be well planned when we're um, putting our session together to be able to accommodate all those players and to make sure there's not uh, too much of a backlog in any of those movements um, but yeah so generally what yeah in pre-season it'll be a forwards and a back split with a rehab group as well and then in season we, we sort of alternate depending on turnarounds because we've got different reserve grade affiliate teams that they might play on a different day to our NRL team that can depend on when they'll train during the week as well. So we might keep a forward in a backs group uh, if we have the same turnaround or that might go to an NRL group and a uh, Queensland Cup group. So same deal, those kind of numbers, 15, 16, 18, depends, depending on sort of any kind of factor with those sort of injuries or knocks or, or just where they're sitting in the week with their turnarounds as well. And normally, normally we have three coaches in there as well. So, you know, we <laughs> Like I said, we we want to be yeah, we want to be shutting up and not co- over coaching, but we also want to be challenging them and making sure that in, intense and purpose and in, in intensity of work is really in there as well. So we we try and keep it down to that sort of one to six, one to seven ratio, and it works quite nicely and it sets up the the ability to rest in there as well because you do you do need that. So we haven't got them on clocks or anything like that because then we find the players that respond too well to that. So we we're almost setting up the program to enforce the rest by just waiting. Part of it is that you know that visual learning as well. You know, there's no harm in seeing someone else do it and think, oh shit, you know, that, that, I want to do it like that. And you make giving you feedback on it. So you know, we try and get them working in groups as much as possible. Who are gonna, who are gonna, it's like again, we'll come back to they're gonna challenge each other in the best way. And I say you've been in enough footy gyms to understand how they challenge each other, so it's usually usually fairly entertaining as well. Absolutely. And the I guess from that neuromuscular point of view to maximise the, their development. You mentioned that we don't want that sort of like perfect reps. We want it to we want them failing, we want them learning. If you had to put a number on it, is it like sixty percent good reps, forty percent where there's a bit of feedback there that they got it wrong? Is that that means the drill selection was about right? Or is it you know, you want to see, you know, a high percentage? What if you had to put a number on it from a general philosophy, I guess, point of view with this type of stuff? I think it, I think it really progresses. I think initially you might see like a twenty percent perfect. That's okay. And then, you know, probably when you get to that sort of 80% perfect, you know, you need to progress it. And I, I, I go back, you go back to my swimming when I first went into swimming and say, yeah, can I name drop here? Is that all right? <laughs> I like yeah, lots. There's a people mentioned uh, as part of the, night, uh, the show notes, actually. We'll throw that out. But so, go, I'll, I'll use Ariane, Ariane Titmus's prime example. So, you know, people know her well. She's, I hope she won't mind me saying it. She's an absolute gumby out of the pool. Like, she, she, you ask her to throw a ball and it's, it's embarrassing. Saying, so, oh, you know, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, one of the things we did with her is like we did a load of rotational med ball throws, totally and non, not specific to the pool. And she's, I mean, doing the first session with her, she's like, like looking at me, just shaking her head and going, what are you making me do? And, you know, it's something she really bought into in the end. But, you know, her, her ability to do that initially was piss poor for one of a better phrase. But we just had to stick with it. And so, you know, once you get to that next stage, all right, we're going to do that with a bit more rotation. We're going to put a bit more weight in there. We're going to try, you know, express that with a bit more speed. So, you know, like she was horrible to start off with and, you know, that trying to change her perception in that, okay, that's okay being horrible. But over a period of a couple of weeks, she became very good at it. All right, then, well, let's let's take it on to the next level. Let's introduce something else. So I'm always very happy, you know, as long as it's not unsafe, I'm always very happy with them to fail fairly significantly initially because, as, you know, as I said before, an, an athlete's an athlete's personality is tends to be, if I fail, I'm going to come back and do that again and show you. You've got two options. You either don't do it or you, you know, give them the finger and get on with it. You know, And so part of our, our coaching process within these programs is to, 
tell them they're useless to start off with and then build them up after that. That's fine. So, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we, we want to put them in a position where they're getting challenged. You know, I've said it a lot of the time. So letting them, if I put them in a position where they're challenged and they can do it straight away, well, I'm not really challenging. You know, I want I want them to fail initially and then come back and prove me wrong. Yeah, um, structure of our programs as well to tie in with how, uh, or in season especially, tie in with how their coach structures um, his training is in four-week blocks. So, I find that's actually a really nice uh, period of time to be able to um, sort of progress through those um, sort of success-fail reps. Obviously, you start off when you introduce something in that first week, you know that's going to be a hard week from a coaching perspective because you're showing them a new movement or a, a progression from a, another movement. But then you know that as you progress through that three- or four-week program that they did expect them to be able to get a lot more quality in their movement and speed or or whatever how, however you choose to progress that along that should look heaps better by the end of that four week block than what it has when you've introed it in that first week very good and the i guess that transference going back to that how do you work out what you need to work on from what the, you know what the coaches want how they want them to play from a tactical point of view technical point of view like what what does that sort of performance look like is it improving their first three steps is a real a key pillar that you're focusing on with this type of stuff is it more their upright running postures like change of direction what are sort of the key areas that you're ultimately wanting to see this stuff at i guess complement or supplement you know i think you pretty much just summed yeah. it up there but probably our biggest areas you know in a rugby league context you know the, the the key points of the game you know you've got to have that underlying ability to stay in the game um but the the key points of the game are making up those two or three meters so your first three steps whether that be off a, a straight line or a multi-directional position and the ability to change and change direction and go you know that that's what's going to make or break or you know, make a tackle or break a tackle, I suppose, or make a break or not. You know, it's it's the, the, a foot here and there that actually makes a difference. So <clears throat> a big part of what we talk about is being able to hit the ground, express that force and move quickly. And as you mentioned just before there as well, like that can uh, literally be how we set it up in a stream. So we might have a superset that, that can be addressing max velocity running positions. So like a triple extension, uh, upright torso, uh, whatever that might be. But then we also might have a, a different superset within the same set session that's looking at a more of a, a change of direction position. So they're, they're all things that obviously bigger, faster, stronger, generally speaking, you're, you're going to be a bit more successful. So if we can try and address as many of them as regularly as possible, then hopefully we're, we're giving them um, a better chance of being a better athlete and hopefully that transfers into to more wins. Absolutely. And and the rotational aspect, what is that looking to, to help? Is that help the athletes get into those optimal shapes to produce that force? Or is it like specifically allowing them to, you know, get into better trunk positions to maybe catch the ball or you know, what, why is the rotational aspect? There? Yeah, what well, well, yeah, absolutely about those. I think, you know, we've got a couple of athletes who struggle to pass. It's you know, struggle to pass. I'm going to put it in a nice way, but, you know, they're, 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 maybe they're left to right pass and there might be some, you know, physical restrictions in there. So we'll, we'll, we'll set up the exercise to address that from a different, different way and that we would from getting into the optimal shapes to produce power. But I think, you know, as you said, to start getting into those optimal shapes, produce power is, is probably the, the underlying side. And as I say, like this, very rarely our optimal shape is a squat type position. Uh, you know, so that ability, you know, for as soon as the ball's gone past me, for me to turn to open the hips to take the foot across the body and accelerate to a different direction. You know, you've got to have those underlying muscular or you know, yeah, muscular abilities to actually produce power. But then you've got to be able to produce it in those those planes and in that way. So we will try and again have that continuum from producing strength, transfer it, express it a little bit more, and it's you know how you can see that being related and being integrated is absolutely underlying key. 
And for the athletes listening in, what are some of the key areas to, to focus on, do you think, in the off-season? Maybe they don't have access to a coach. Like, what would are there some resources or things that they can find online, do you think, to, to reference this type of training? And if not, what would be some recommendations that you guys would make, I guess, more broadly speaking, to improve their yeah, athleticism? Oh, I think, like we sort of mentioned before, it's actually quite difficult if you don't have someone there to be able to, to guide you. So that is a, a, a pretty big barrier in this, like for for athlete looking to do it themselves. But the, such a big part of that is, I suppose, just the mindset or an attitude to be able to, to go in with an intent to be able to, to move and to really, I said it before with our guys, like oh, I address it as attack the session. Um, and that, like I said, that that intent to be able to move well and to uh, prioritize that quality of movement. So um, that could be through speed. It can also be when you, when you've um, loaded a movement as well. Um, but that real intent to be able to do something fast or do something well, rather than just going through the motions and doing it as a tick box. I think you you get so much more from it. Obviously, when you attack it from that kind of attitude and mindset. Yeah, I think from a resource point of view, I mean, there's, there's so much of the, you know, Franz Bosch's work out there and, you know, like it, it's fantastic work, I mean, it, but I hesitate to use that as a bill and law because it's it's pretty complex about the, the, you know, the application and the use of that. It's, it, it's some damn good stuff, but it's, you know, it's complex to understand why you're doing it. But I think a lot of his work actually like relates very nicely to what we talk about altogether. So, you know, to look at that and get some, get some you know, some uh, examples based on some of the stuff he's put out is, is really key. But it's it's some there's some tough tough work in there, you know, as well. So that's that's good. We've obviously got our own website. I'm going to throw that one out at some point. Now we had a pro training programs, yeah, and that was yeah, and that, that sort of started from a point of view that you know actually looking for athletic development programs is quite hard. You know, and, and uh, I'm trying not to be too cynical about this, but you know, there's a lot of personal training programs out there. There's a lot of you know thousand rep challenges out there, and you know a lot of ways of actually finding training tips on instagram and on twitter the, the old bugger in me is coming out about social media now i'm afraid but it's you know we, we sort of looked at that and said there's actually not that many really well established training programs out there so it's something we wanted to you know try and fill a little bit of a niche in there pretty hard to put programs out when you you know as blake said when you you sort of need that sort of feedback and coaching but i think for athletes so you know particularly young athletes out there challenging themselves in a really coordinated manner with a little bit of speed and not worrying as much about lifting big weights i think is really key Absolutely. And what was the, it just cut out a little bit there. It was a protraining.com, was it? Or have I got that? Protrainingprograms.com. Programs, yeah. We'll add yeah. the link in the show notes. Yeah, you see, we're, getting, we're getting persuaded to do a little bit of social media. So there might be some very dodgy exercise videos that me and Blake do and then pop up in the future. <laughs> I love it. Must do it. Tag me. Well, that wraps it up nicely in terms of the, the topic. Is there anything that we haven't touched on? Obviously, we've gone into some pretty good detail on this topic of, of transference, but is there anything you guys want to? I think we've gone through a lot of it. You know, I think, I think you know, the biggest thing for me is they, they just always think about external load. You know, we've got to, we've got to think about changing, you know, your instability, your speed of movement, your different planes of movement. Let's just, let's just try and get away from thinking. I've got to put more weight on all the time. I suppose for me from a um, S&C coach perspective is don't be afraid to, to try it as well. And there's no reason why if you're having a thought process that you can't jump in the gym and play around with something that might look a little bit different or a little bit stupid and use that as a, as a way to figure out whether it might be a good idea to try it or not try it and like yeah just the, there's no there's no rule book on how to train someone or how to coach someone so don't be afraid to put your own own spin on it and and have a try at something that might be a bit different if you if you think it's going to get the the result that you want there yeah great advice guys love that yeah we, we get so caught in just thinking external load from powerlifting and bodybuilding and 
yeah, there's plenty of other ways to, to train. And I think that's great advice for, for athletes, but also for the coaches as well. In both your, your work lives, do you have pet peeves? Anything in the industry that fires you up, makes you angry? No, we're, we're, we're pet peeves all about everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we, we were talking about that one today. We came up with this uh, long list. Yeah, but I, you got, yeah. I don't know, failed athletes is quite it. You know, we, 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 we both came with our, our own athletic careers in a way that we were probably poorly talented but worked hard. You know, and I think that brings that aspect of, you know, if I see an athlete who's got all the talent in the world, it can't be able to work hard, it, it, that's definitely a pet peeve. And, you know, and, and we, you know, we obviously try and work with them, but, you know, I, I struggle sometimes when I see that lack of that lack of intensity in what they do at times. You know, and they said, we've all seen those athletes who have got all the talent in the world but haven't got necessarily got the attitude. But that frustrates me. So, yeah, sometimes I have to hand them over and just walk away. <laughs> I'm the same there. I was, I was really, really good try-ups, but that meant that, I uh, had to sacrifice a little bit of talent. So to the same tune, you see someone who's not uh, willing to put in the work or is not a, a 100% committed when they do have the talent. I, I always just think of how good they could be if they, if they had tick both boxes there and, and what they could be. So. I think Blake's been really nice that he's got pet peeves of people not putting the plates away, not putting <laughs> the dumbbells the right way around. A little bit of ADHD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one's definitely been mentioned a few times <laughs> on the show. Very popular answer. Uh, what about favourite way to spend a day off? Yeah, well, we don't, don't get a day off in professional sport, you know that. So, because <laughs> uh, I think, um, you know, like, it, it's great. Look, again, one of the things of working with Wayne is very, very much you've done your work, get away from here. So, he, he encourages us to have the day off, and, and not one of us gets to where we are without a work ethic. So, you know, a big part of our, our culture within our staff is to get away and get a day off. You know, we we, we all worked for a game of golf yesterday. You know, it was very, very embarrassing, but yeah. so we, you know, it was great to get away and do that. Uh, and after that, really, you know, a big young family, so getting away, spending some time with the family, I, I get to uh, get to support my daughter's tumbling career at the moment, so that's that's great to watch. And she's already doing strength programs, so she's got no chance at all. You know, you know, getting away, that's spending some time with the family, and getting away from from footy is is it's it's so important because you know we will put a lot into it, and uh, we need to get away and just not not have to talk footy sometimes. Yeah, much the same as Jezza, I've got a young family as well, so. I love being able to spend a bit of downtime with those guys when I'm not at work and we can get over to the beach or try and convince them to come fishing with me or something like that. That's that's always a win for me. But yeah, I like getting up to not too much in my downtime, actually. A little sleep without again. Recharge the batteries, for sure. And uh, we're recording of this of early September 2023. Uh, what's on the horizon for you guys? What are you excited about for the rest of the year? Yeah, look, I reckon... I know I'm off with the PNG calls for a tour. That's going to be a little bit of a different. I get I get four weeks in Port Moresby at the end of this year, so that's going to be a bit of a bit of an experience. So I'm you know excited to do that one. Tick way, I think, but that's going to be you know a pretty good experience. But you know, leading into next year, like, it's obviously first year in a new franchise. It's been a it's been a pretty challenging uh, and up and down year for us. You know, we've, there's a lot of things we've had to put into place. We've had to bring a lot of people together, and it, you know, it's all it's always been that sort of constant battle through this year to to address things that we need to get sorted. So. A little bit of sort of period of stability and building on that first year next year is going to be pretty exciting. We've got some, some good players, some good recruits coming in. and just be really good to see if we can take it to the next level as a team. Sorry, when we take it to the next level as a team, <laughs> not if. Yeah, much the same for me as well. Obviously, that's a um, massive massive deal for us, uh, having this first year this year and being able to build what we want to build, but then obviously be able to progress from that as well. And um, yeah, that, it, it's something that is exciting with a, a little bit of changeover in squad, but then also... Everyone who's come together as a staff as well, being able to, from spending a bit more time together to being able to figure out the ins and outs of how that all ties in and it integrates as a program. That'll be, yeah, pretty exciting for us. But a bit closer to that, looking forward to it. I've got a little holiday coming up shortly, so 
absolutely looking forward to that. For sure. For sure. Oh, well, thank you so much, guys. From Yeah, on behalf of everyone that's listened in, I've, I've taken away some um, massive gems from from that one. I think that integrated approach, like, we, like you said at the start, or that transference that we like to call it, is so important in high-performance sport, and it's probably something that we're all striving to do at every club, but the, the challenge is... Um, being able to do it and, and like you said having that approach where you're focusing on it and, and, and letting the athletes really uh, drive it and, and learn the process themselves so there's some great takeaways so really appreciate you, you jumping on the show and sharing with us both some stories but also some practical things that we can take away and apply to our coaching and, and for athletes that tuned in as well so I mean they can start uh, from that intent point of view hopefully um, focusing on that um, drive that they're doing and making sure they're really learning as well as uh, during the process as well as training so appreciate you coming on appreciate the time during your off season for those that have any follow-up questions for either of you where's the best place to get in contact we've got the website there pro um pro training programs.com which i'll add in the links and some instagram videos or we'll, we'll tag a few guys doing this coordination based training but where else where's the best place if there's any dms from coaches to, to hit you up yeah probably best probably best just hit us straight up through our through our instagram accounts i would think i Mate, you got, you got me over this one. It's a shocker. I, I, I've got no idea when it comes down to that. But I'll say, you know, you can flick, flick us an email. If you've got any questions, flick us an email to our, to our Dolphins account. So just jeremy.hickmans at dolphinsnrl.com.au. Yep. You know, he's always really willing to <laughs> to share the gems, I suppose. And then, yeah, mine's blake.duncan at dolphinsnrl.com.au as well. And then I, I get on LinkedIn a little bit as well. So you can flick me a message on there if, if the email's not good for you. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. We'll add those email addresses and uh, Blake's LinkedIn in the show notes. So for those driving, listening, recording, you can click those once you, you park the car. And thank you for everyone that's tuned in live. Our next live chat show is next Thursday with Andrew Lullum at 3 p.m. Australian Standard Times. That's 14th of September. So I'll see you guys all then. Thanks again, Blake and James. Yeah, thanks for having us. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian from Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, so I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, yeah, game changes, whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the friendly conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll hand it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent.
thanks Jack and yeah thanks um thanks Sam for the chat it was uh I found it to be really insightful plenty of gems in there um and I enjoyed it a lot um mate, my my question to you was you spoke a, a, quite a bit about um perspective during that chat um and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career. Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah certainly yeah has been massive for me now, and and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is, is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day, just a bit to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's you having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just yeah opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble um yeah. so that's that's been huge um i think i wish back then when i was younger i asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things mm. i think i was a bit single-minded back then and um you know i thought there was one way of doing things and um if i kind of didn't have that fear Fear of you know asking a silly question or fear of judgment it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker um and yeah. and yeah like just yeah being open to sort of different things um because you never know what you might find it's just yeah there's so many people like great people out there knowledgeable people to learn off and there's plenty more where that came from if you would like to learn more then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review, or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.